I do encourage that you take out notes because God's in a conversation with us. I believe there's a conversation that God is having with us. So it is very, very important that you take notes. I take a lot of notes. If you check my phone, you would see there's a lot of notes because no conversation is isolated for itself. It's an ongoing conversation. The words we heard from PT last week somehow connect to what we are hearing today. Do you understand me? So it's important that you take notes. It's an attitude of a student. It's an attitude of someone who has made up their mind that they really do want to do. I'm not going to the scripture, but I feel like I should say this before I still, while I'm still doing the greeting. So of course, good morning. But the Bible, and when I was reading scripture today, the Bible says that faith without works is still dead. The Bible says that you should not deceive yourselves in just hearing alone. It says that you should also do what you hear. And it likens that person to a it likens the person that hears and does not follow up what they hear with doing, with action. It likens them to an individual who is like they've looked into the mirror and then when they've gone away, they've forgotten how they look like. It's foolishness, in other words. It's 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 detrimental. Do you understand? I cannot assume that you will be able to recall. Everything that's being said, it's practically impossible, but you must be able to pick out. And I always use this example with um, one of your sisters, your pastors, Pastor Chrissy. I said to her, in every word, look out for your instruction. It's at that point you know that God is speaking to you and he's determined to direct you to a certain place. So again, that's just me still saying good morning, good morning, good morning, everyone. Good morning to all the houses. Um, of course, I didn't know as of yesterday, but um, I know she won't hear this because she's in school, but please play it for her after a big happy birthday to Amelia. I know it was yesterday, but I made up my mind that if I come on broadcast, I'm going to go because she's one of the ministry babies, as funny as that sounds, but she's been <laughs> in this journey longer than some of us, some of you actually. So happy birthday to Amelia. Of course, woke up with great news from um, Grace Kamara. Congratulations um, on your good results, great results. Um, finish a course, I can't remember the name, is it Civil Engineering? Finished with a 2-1, um, right? Very happy with that. Thank you. Thank you for sticking out. Okay, let's get into this now. Let's get into this. I want to start again. Why are we speaking? I know today was a bit impromptu. Um, why are we speaking the way we're speaking? Because it's not Pastor. It's not the fact that Pastor Obi is um, full of word. What do I mean by that? I'm not doing this because of my personal desire. Even though my joy, my happiness must also be complete in what God has called me to do. But the reason why we are speaking constantly to one another is because of the scripture we read yesterday. Do you remember the scripture, Hebrews 10, that let us consider one, let us consider how we can spur one another towards love and good deeds. And the Bible says that we should not forsake, not neglect, not forget to keep meeting together like some have fallen into the habit of doing so. 
So it is the instruction of the Holy Spirit that we come together and speak the word. And what did we see in the word? The word said that you should even meet more frequently according to how well you see that day dawning. It is upon the anticipation of that day. What is that day? The day that the Father comes with his reward. There has been a time, there's been a period when it looks like all we have been doing, we're asking God, you hold our reward. When are we going to receive our reward? And I think I likened it yesterday saying to you that a child that has, that has had their father away from home for long greatly anticipates the day that their father will return. And with excitement, they approach their father knowing that a father will come with some kind of gift and reward. So my encouragement to everyone is still this, that God is coming. There are things that we're believing God for. There are things that you've asked God, and I think that's going to be my point today, asking or inquiring. There are things that you have asked God for, and he's about to come. So scripture has given us the, the kind of behavior, the kind of um, things, the actions we should carry out. In anticipation, how does God know that we're anticipating the day of his arrival? And that's not the end of the world. That's the day of your results. That's the day of your reward. How do we anticipate that day? He says you gather more. You come together more frequently. So I want you to remember that who we are is first word and prayer. And this is why I want to show you certain things in scripture. Who we are, we are first word people. We are first people that pray. We are first people that live in holiness. And these are things, again, Pastor Toby committing and um, charging us to remind the houses that our duty is not to make us or teach um, the people in the houses how to make business work. The duty is to first tell us how to make the covenant work. I hope you are on with me. I hope you're not distracted or you're not giving to other things because there's no visuals. I'm trusting that you're listening. But with saying that, so we get to a place that we have to understand what makes us. And one of the things that I want to remind you of and I need you to take note of also is this. It is in the time of increase that you're most likely to fall. Pastor Toby said this to us the other day. Um, when he was saying that the kind of blessings that are going to come and when he said it he quickly said do not say amen quickly he said to us we should not sh rush to saying amen he actually said to us that you see the thing about prosperity the thing about increase the thing about multiplication is that it divides more than poverty when people start to believe that they are something in their own right it is easier for you to pull away it is easier to become an independent soul. And what I want to show you through scripture, and I, again, I want to show you scriptures so that you know that this is not Pastor Obi's opinion. I, I have to speak his word. And if he puts it in my heart to charge, I want you to also know that these words are also not alien to you. What do I mean by this? God, are not, God is not giving you words that you cannot relate with. 
The words he's given you, even if you feel they do not apply to you, God knows your heart better than you do. So he speaks according to the man that he wants to raise. He speaks according to the woman he wants to raise. So when God begins to charge us about intimacy, I know a person can believe I'm intimate in my own relationship. But God says, for where I want to take you, you are not as close as you need to be. God says to us that we should draw near to him in order that he draws near to us. God wants us to understand that at the point of establishing covenant with him, he wants to establish friendship. Who God walks this world with are people, women, men that he can recall or he can regard as friends. And unless we get to that level of maturity with God, you cannot expect to have the results that you expect God to give you. Again, I'll take you into scripture. So you would see the nature of humankind. You know, men, mankind fell. At the moment when Adam sinned, what we found is that man began to operate as a human being, though they were meant to be gods. Humankind was just the body, but who their minds are meant to function as are like gods. They're meant to be able to be those who create things, those who name things, those who change the world, making it more beautiful. God doesn't want, you know, I have to actually say this. God doesn't want us just singing. God wants us to have sincere hearts. Why did I say that? It is very easy for us to get into things that we are talented in. It is very easy for us to get into the whole fanatics of religion. But what God is looking for more so is the heart that sincerely, remember what we said sincerity is. It's a heart without pretense. It's a heart without deceit. These things, God is looking for that woman, that man with that type of heart. And let me tell you something. God will not feel in any type of way if he blesses your neighbor rather than you. Because God will not be, what's the word now? God will not be blackmailed. God will not be pressured to blessing you because you have spent 10 years in this work. God is not sentimentally driven. God has given principles that even those who are not sitting in the house of God, should they apply it, it will still work for them. God is a principle matter, a principle thing. So you see what I wanted to say about the world as we grow in life. We look at children, we have children around us, babies. And you see the nature of a child is that they come into this world not being able to do anything for themselves. They cannot feed themselves. They cannot clean themselves. They cannot shower. They cannot talk. I think if you have a child that comes out of the womb talking, you're probably going to throw that child away. You should. Because if that child comes out talking, you know that you've given birth to the omen. Do you remember that? You've given birth to Satan's child and he's determined to destroy your life. But what am I trying to show you first? The genesis of every being was that they had to be dependent on somebody else. Can we start there today? They had to be dependent on somebody else. Now, here's the issue. Life grows and the man that has sinned, rather than functioning as God, they began to function more as man. They were prone to doing things that will return them to dust. They acted like a man that had no connection to the supreme authority. 
They became independent. And here's the issue. I've just mentioned it, but I want you to listen to me. As you grow, you'll be tempted to become more dependent, independent. As you grow, you will feel like, by now, I need to do this. I can do this for myself. But that's a problem in itself because the Son of God, I want us to go to John 5. The Son of God, this is one scripture I just want to note to you because, again, yesterday I started to speak to you about being totally committed. And we could have called it totally dependent. But I started to speak to you about these things because these are the things that are leading us into intimacy with God. I want you to know, and God keeps charging me, that there will be people that will grow financially by ill-gotten means, but will be wiped out in a moment. You will see people around you who live a certain type of way. You will see people around you who seems like God does not um, um, execute justice over. They continue in their wicked ways and it seems like they're prospering. And the only reason why it seems like they're prospering is because their duty their ways lead to destruction. They are not led by the Spirit. They are not led by God. But guess what? The reason why they exist for a while is so that they may deceive others. Are you listening to me this morning? It's so that they may deceive others. There are people that God wants to see. Again, what God is looking for are hearts totally. Remember, don't forget that scripture. Don't forget the scriptures that we've been reading. Second Chronicles chapter 16, I believe, verse 9, that the eyes of the Lord roam the earth, looking for those whose hearts are totally committed to him. What does that mean? God is going to allow there to be tests in life. Because what he's trying to see in a barrel is actually if her heart is totally committed or if her heart is divided with different loyalties she has divided loyalties and divided allegiances but that's not what i want to emphasize on my point here first of all is that god actually wants us to remain dependent and i know that goes against everything you have been taught because quickly when you was at 16 you start to treat yourself like an adult at 18 you regarded yourself as an adult nobody can tell you where you go what time you come back home you started to make decisions by your own impulses there was one that there was no one that would lead you but let me show you the son of god the man of full maturity john chapter 5 read from verse 16 let's hear the words of christ the nature of a mature man go on so because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, if you were to read this in the NIV, um, in the NIV translation, you would see the subtitle, the authority of the son. <laughs> you would see the authority of the son. Why is it that the church do not have authority? Why is it that the world cannot challenge them? Because they don't have authority. The church do not have a place to speak. They are not considered equals on certain tables of decisions because they lack every authority. All they are are people who shout and scream and dance to themselves, tripping over themselves, just doing things that they, they hope that God will intercede on their behalf. And I'm going to show you scriptures. You will see clearly that someone can be asking God and not receive anything. And that's the, that's the state of the church. But now Christ has got to a place whereby his authority offends the powers of the day. 
How did he get there? Again, all scripture is written for our benefit. So Christ came to show us the way. Because at the point of sin, man became more human than they should become God. And what God was doing when he sent himself through the body of a child or through the womb of a woman, when Christ came to live, he came to show us how God's work through the body of humans, how they think, how they operate. And COD, it is important, it's imperative that you hear these words and begin to apply it. If not, you will live a substandard life. And that is not to the pleasure of the Father. Look at what Scripture says, the authority of the Son. Read it once more from verse 16 for me. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, yeah. the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. Yeah. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work on this very day. My father, this is a matter of the Sabbath. My father is always working. So what do I do? Go on. And I too am working. Because the father is working, I work. Imagine that Christ told us that his activities are determined by what he sees the father doing. He was not an independent man. The reason why he can work on the Sabbath was because he was doing in accordance to what he saw his father doing, what the word was saying to him. Are you listening to me, COD? His authority to function was because he was only imitating what the father was doing. Imagine people are trying to prosper like Pastor Toby has prospered. They therefore say to themselves, let me get into business so I can give like Pastor Toby has been given. But the problem is, is that it does not take your witness and your own independence to, to execute the results that PT has. You have to be able to mirror. You have to imitate what he's doing. But in case you think that's still my opinion, carry on reading. Go on. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Yeah. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father. They're their issue was that he was considering, considering himself equal to God by calling him his father, yeah? But carry on reading. Look at what Christ then says. Go on. Making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Jesus gave them this answer. Can you pay attention to this answer, guys? I know you're busy doing things. And again, what we don't want to be are people who are working the soil instead of keeping the flock. What is keeping the flock? Dealing, doing Working on God's solution. Look at what scripture says. Christ actually gave them a response. And you must do everything to pay attention closely. I've already prayed for understanding to us all. Look at what Christ said. Please read it for us, sir. Very truly, I tell you. Very truly, I tell you. Meaning that this is very important. This has no falsehood in it. Very truly, I tell you, COD, what? The son can do nothing by himself. Imagine a grown man. Imagine the expression of God. He says that if you have entered the condition of a son, I was speaking to people yesterday, if you're going to enter the core of a son, this core of a son, this office of a son, is not how I feel. Are you listening to me? It's not because you have been in the church. It's not because you are a pastor. That office of a son has certain requirements. There are certain criterias that defines a person as a son, as a daughter. He says that for the office of a son, as a teenager actually, you can do whatever you want. 
The moment that you have ID, the moment that you are old enough to drive, to drink alcohol, like the world says to us, then you, can, you, you are free to do what you want. But you see the condition, the criteria, the space of a son. If they're going to be someone that is going to be supplied by their father, if God is going to recognize this man, this woman, the Bible says that that son can do nothing of himself. I need you to think on that because look at your actions, your daily activities. When you wake up in the morning, before you go to sleep, the way you speak to one another, the dealings in business, the dealings in your career paths, the decisions you make each day, you have to know that these things are already speaking to God, whether you're a son or not. Do you not forget what scripture said that the, the, those that are the sons of God, those that are led by the spirit, those who live a life and who imitates what the spirit reveals to them. So Pastor Obi comes this morning to speak the word, not because he, he is <clears throat> full of just words. Again, like I said earlier, it's because God spoke to me. So I have to speak to people. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you? The son, the nature of the son. Are you listening to me, Tony? The nature of a son is this. They can do nothing by themselves. Imagine that life. Of course, when you grow, you develop. You develop skills. And imagine as you begin to develop skills, you start to put your strength in that skill rather than God. Where I'm speaking to you, I'm starting off with dependence, but I'm leading to asking. Because asking, as we saw in Psalm 2, asking was the nature of a son. Today, you have become my son. Today, I've begotten you. Today, I've become your father. Therefore, what's the first conversation of a son? He says, ask. Ask is a display of dependency. Ask is a display that you regard him as your source. So imagine the man of miracles as we know him, the one that heals the blind, the one that raises the dead, the one that opens the ears of the deaf, the one that multiplies loaves and fishes. He said that my function, the authority I have today is because I know that I can do nothing unless I see the father do it. Please read out 19 again for us, sir. Jesus gave them this answer. Yeah. Very truly, I tell you. Yeah. The son can do nothing by himself. The son can do nothing by himself. In meaning that if he's detached from, from God, if he's detached from the father, if he's detached from the source, guess what? All the things you've seen him do, he will not be able to do. Does that remind you of scriptures when Christ now began to speak to us and he said that I am the vine and you are the branches and you can do nothing unless you are in me. Again, look at a sister, the common sister of today. Look at the common brother of today. The many things that they do without the counsel of God. It does not even come up to their mind to ask God. The Bible says acknowledge the Lord in all ways. In all that you do, not in some. So you see what I'm saying? A person's growth stunts. A person's growth is limited the moment when talent is bigger than the ask of God. 
This is why I said that when we grow financially, you would realize that God begin, they don't even realize that they're, they're starting to deviate from a general, a genuine, sorry, relationship with God. Because at that point, they begin to put their trust in what their hands have produced or where their talents have taken them to. And they have not got to a place where they understand that if you're going to remain a man of authority, I'm going to take you to the father of David, uh, the father of Christ, who is David. You're going to see that he too kept up this nature. This action, this character, this is what he kept up. So Jesus Christ says, truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. Yeah, he can do only what he sees his father do. Did you hear that? So that statement is not incomplete. He can only, please emphasize on that again. Read it for me. He can do only. He can do only. He's not permitted to do more than. He can do only what he sees the father doing. Now in this day and age, how do we see what the father is doing? Leadership. How do we see what the father is doing? Are you still bold enough? Are you, are you still... Are you still a son? Let's just make it simple with that. Are you still a son that there's something that tells you, you know, burdens, issues, even of ministry can be calling for you. But you have that time where you say, no, it's me and the word. This is the moment that God instructs me. I don't run into my day without God's word. I do not run into my day without considering what he may have said to me yesterday or in the morning. Because guess what? That moment you have actually forfeited the office of a son when you run by your own judgments. And you should not expect anything from the father because the son, his conversation, his principal conversation is in asking. His principal conversation is in that dependency of the father. Again, I speak these words to you, not because Pastor Obi is full of words, but rather because God has spoken to me. And in turn, I must speak to you. That if you're going to see the supply of God in your life consistently, it's going to be that you understand whether you've been a pastor, whether you have a following or you are seemingly like the lowest person here, you will only have the supply of God if you are a person that understands that you can do nothing. I don't care if I'm naturally gifted, naturally endowed with the ability to sing. I can do nothing by myself. I can only do, only do what I see the father doing. So look at this, Isaiah 22. PT showed us the scripture in the message version. But I went back there and you would see the frustration of God. What provokes the anger of God? Remember that scripture also calls God a name. In the many names that men has given God, I want you to know one of the names that God gave himself. Do you want to know one of these names? Scripture tells us, that God said, my name is jealous. I want you to hold on to what I've just said there. Did you hear me, COD? You know, there was a time that Abraham saw God's provision and I can imagine the joy. The moment he realized that God didn't actually need him to kill his son. The moment when he saw the ram caught in the thicket. And he saw that God had provided something in exchange for the life of his son, his own, in, his, own, his own legacy, his future. 
And out of joy, he built an altar there and said, here, we call it here. Like PT said, the place. We call this place Jehovah Jireh. That's still, that, that's still um, man trying to name God. But God got to a place and he said, my name is Jealous. So what provoked the anger, the wrath of God? Isaiah 22, look at verse 8. Look at verse 8, read for me, go on. The Lord stripped away the defenses of Judah, and you looked in that day to the weapons in the palace of the forest. No, no, read that again. I want you to hear this because I've just said to you that it's possible that you will increase in your hands. It is possible that you begin to grow. You have finances. You have people. You have relevance. You have influence. And all of a sudden, your focus or your strength will be applied to those things rather than God. Look at what he said in verse 8 again. Go on. The Lord stripped away the defenses of Judah. When God actually saw that when he told the people to mourn because their intimacy with God had been tainted. When he said that you should begin to repent, look for me again. These men began to feast they began to celebrate mankind working backwards and at loggerhead with God. They could not see intimacy again. So what did God do in attempt to draw their attention back to him? The Bible says the Lord stripped away the defenses of Judah. His people, he disciplines like a son. That they may find the right way. So he took away their defenses because he was their defense. Hopefully that, hoping that these people will begin to see that the incoming attacks and the success of their enemies against them will make them look to God once again. But instead, the people, oh God, I need you to hear this, COD, because listen, God is going to begin, you know, harvest. One thing about God's harvest is that he also separates people from people. When I've been saying to you, emphasizing that there are no two people that God will judge together. It doesn't matter if you came in as brothers. It doesn't matter if you came in as partners or as siblings. It doesn't matter if you came in at the same time. Harvest is God separating the best from the others. Don't ever forget that, COD. This is the reason why it doesn't matter who is close to me. I've always said it. When it comes to the word, there's nobody. I'm making sure that I will not be a castaway. You remember what Paul said, that I discipline myself after preaching so that after preaching, I will not be found a castaway. I will not be found missing. COD, I really hope you're hearing me this morning. So Jesus, the, the Lord actually said that I took away their defenses and even with that, these people's hearts were not set on me. Look at what they did. Go on. And you looked in that day to the weapons in the palace of the forest. No, I underlined my Bible when I read this. It says, and you looked in that day when you should have sought for me. You should have looked for me. You looked to your weaponry. You looked to your finances. You looked to your businesses. You looked to what you have become as your deliverer. But I want you to jump to verse 11. Because that verse 11, the B part of verse 11 completes what we just heard. That you looked to your armory. You looked to your weapons in that day. Verse 11, go on. You built a reservoir between the two walls. Yeah. For the water of the old pool. But you did not. Look to the one who made it. <laughs> you looked to the creation rather than the creator. You looked to the produce rather than the one who, the architect of it. The artisan. The artisan. 
The Bible says to us, I need you to hear this because this is what happens to people who have increased. Remember, PT has just emphasized to us as God's servant to us. He said that prosperity, which we cannot stop coming now, will divide more than poverty. So imagine my stressing on unity now. Imagine what it will be when money comes. Imagine what it will be when you in your own right have tens or hundreds of people following you. Imagine what it become if it looks like you're successful because you see God, he's not erratic. Even the wicked will have their day to celebrate. No, you don't understand what I mean by that. Meaning that you could feel like you're prospering, but in God's eyes, you are wicked. And there's destruction dawning on you. And he will leave you unless the word, unless the living Spirit of God can convict your heart to look to him. God doesn't want it to be that we look to what we have produced rather than him. Read verse 11 again for me, the B part, but you did not. But you did not look to the one who made it yeah. or have regard for the one who planned it long ago. You did not have regard for him. COD, we must not become that. And God speaks to us in this manner so that we, God does not speak ever to condemn, but rather to restore. So when God starts to speak like this to us, family, I want you to know this for sure. God is committed to blessing you. That's why he's telling us all of these things so that we can be found in his blessing. And this does not require for you to be measured. God's not going to ask you to change and watch you for 10 years before he rewards you. If he knows that sincerely in your heart, there is true change, then the blessing is as good for you tomorrow. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you? It's ready for you tomorrow. God showed us, remember John 5 and now this scripture, God showed us the office of a son. The son is not someone that is executing his rights. The son is actually someone that understands that they are totally dependent. My sleeping and my waking up, that's still dependency on God. Where I live tomorrow, it's not based on me and my ability. It is based on what God supplies me. What is God's heart for me? What is God's mind for me? That's what you should be seeking for. This is why I said I'm speaking to you about inquire. So I want to speak to you, and those will almost just start, start in scriptures. But where I want to emphasize scripture today is in the book of James. James was, as you know, the half-brother of Jesus, but he became the leader of the Jerusalem church. He became the leader of the, Jew, the, the church in those days. But you see, James, in the book of James, you would see that James taught us practically how to live this Christian life. And in case you have not been, you have not read that in a while, I do suggest you go back there and read it. He tells us how we should function. And one of the things that I found most interesting was that he also taught us how to function even with the innate characteristics something that is in us that we cannot lie to ourselves uh, he told us how to live even with desire but so that i don't go ahead of myself let's start first with james chapter one actually i think i spoke to you from there yesterday i want you to read it from the voice translation read from verse one 
I want you to pay close attention. What did we find there? Remember when I said to you yesterday, yesterday when I said, there goes the woman of divided loyalties, the man of divided loyalties, the man, the woman of divided allegiances. There are people who have made up their mind that God is not their regard at all. And I've, I've warned them and I'm saying it. I will not speak on a private platform to them. It's the word I will speak it through. And what they don't understand is that God wants to bless them but cannot. Unless God can see that this person is out for me. I cannot be out for them. Be it far from me. I will only honor those who honor me. That's what, Christ, that's what God said. Um, James chapter 1, please read there. Go on. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus, the yeah. anointed one, to the 12 tribes of Israel who are spread across the earth, I send you my warmest welcome. Don't run from tests and hardships, brothers and sisters. As difficult as they are, you will ultimately find joy in them if you embrace them. Your faith will blossom under pressure and teach you true patience as you endure. And true, pa and true patience, brought on by endurance, will equip you to complete the long journey and cross the finish line, mature, complete, and wanting nothing. Remember that every test of your faith is not because you're doing something wrong. Um, uh, um, it's not that you're doing something wrong, simply. It's God's actually trying to sharpen you. The test of your faith is so that it can produce perseverance. Remember that that's a character needed for anyone that's going to be successful. It's something that is produced out of the testing of your faith. Look to the world. Look to those who now lead the great companies like Amazon, like Facebook, Microsoft and all. These were men that through their testings, their opposition, their failures, all of that test, they had a vision and they believed in it. And they kept moving forward. And these, these testings of their faith was what was going to produce perseverance for them to see it through. I keep saying, I look at the woman today who is an emotional wreck. Emotional wreck. Years, however many years serving. You're even called a pastor but cannot see it through because they never heard the words to even have faith produced in their life. They didn't mind just being, I am the partner of this person. They didn't mind to just be, I am someone that was here. Your story yesterday cannot guarantee you here today. Because the relationship with God is a day-to-day -day walk. It's not a yesterday walk. And right before their eyes, losing everything. And what they don't understand is that what God is asking for us is not for us to try, it's more so yield. He's not saying, okay, I'm just going to shake it off and say I'm back now. No, he's saying yield. Believe in him. Rely on him. Trust in him. Well, like I said, there goes the woman of divided loyalties here and there. But we have faith. We're not of those who shrink back, like scripture said. But we, have, we are of those who have faith and are in turn saved. But look at what scripture says to us. Carry on reading. Go on, sir. If you don't have all the wisdom needed for this journey. If you lack 
the ability to know what to do. God says you should ask. Remember that he said that you should ask him. If you are a son, ask him. If you, are, if you have your allegiance sown, tied with him, ask him. If you don't know what to do, ask him. I'm emphasizing this because the Bible will later tell us that you do not have because you do not ask. This is the reason why I'm emphasizing this. And remember that I told you asking is actually a space for a son. It's a function for a son. So the Bible says, if you lack the ability to know what to do in this situation, ask him, believe that he will supply you. The Bible says that he gives generously without finding faults. That's in the NIV. He says that he will give. He's not going to look at your fault. If you can just realize that your ability to know what to do is not subject to what you have been exposed to. It's not subject to what you are good at. It's not subject to your connections. It's if you know that the wisdom to move forward is only reserved in him. But there's a reason why I've taken you in the voice translation and in this scripture before I take you to the main scripture. Because I need to remind you of something that I echoed or I emphasized on yesterday and it's safe that I repeat it. But go on, sir. And God will grant you all that you need. Yeah. He gives lavishly and never scolds you for asking. The key is that your request be anchored by your single-minded commitment to God. Remember this. Never forget that. The request that you make to God must be anchored. No, no. I need you to underline this if you didn't yesterday. Must be anchored by your single commitment to God. Why have I emphasized that? The moment God looks at Apostle Obi looks into the heart of Pastor Obi. Remember that God does not judge people like everyone does by outward appearance. Never forget what he said of David. He judges the heart. He knows what others cannot see. Meaning person A and person B can both ask for 100 pounds and person B will receive it and person A won't receive it. And you would think outwardly they did the same thing. I hope you hear what I'm saying to you. Outwardly, it looks like they were fasting when we fasted. Outwardly, it looks like they were here when we were here. Outwardly, it looks like they opened the Bible when we opened the Bible or they were in every service when we were in service, but God judges the heart. And one thing that God said I should say to you is that if God looks into your heart and he sees anything more than single commitment to him, you will not receive Did you hear what I said? These words almost seem like, how do we live totally focused and committed to you in such a busy and frantic world? God says this is a call for the mature. That's why it was not, the the asking was not a function of a child. It was the function of the son. It's a mature state. God needs it to be that when he looks at an Anna, when he looks at a Paris, when he looks at a Lamel, that the desire for finances is not because I want to live good. It's because there's something to do with your house. And if you can be committed to him, it is his duty, therefore, to, to array you with everything beautiful. To cover you, to dress you with everything that the world is looking for. It is his duty to say to others that you must overlay Anna with gold 
because her heart is gold. Her heart is uh, it's not mixed. It's for me. So the world can begin to submit to her. Until then, COD, you will not have. Your cry and frustration will not force God's hand to give you. Look at what the Bible says. He says that your this any request must be anchored by your single commitment to him. Not me and I want this relationship to work. Not me and my daughter. Not me and my son. Nothing like that. And I know that after these words, we can go back to ourselves. But like I said, harvest will separate. Harvest will tell you that even though we hold hands, we're not the same. Because I dare to ask God to fix me. I dare to depend. But please carry on reading. I need to get to a point. Those who depend only on their own judgment yeah. are like those lost on the seas. Look at this. This is what God said. Listen, pay attention to again. Those who only, re only rely on their own judgment. Imagine they wake up this morning, there's something that they need to do and they did not even regard God. Someone say, oh, that's so much to do. That's fine. That means prosperity is too much for you. Because you have to remember the prosperity is not fluked. Success is not by fluke. So it's either you say I have the capacity for it or I don't. And if you are honest with yourself and you say I don't have the capacity, it's not over for you. It's now saying God build capacity in me. And that's when he starts to teach you the word. When he starts to teach you the word and you are daring to then listen to the word, you're daring to pay attention to the word, you're daring to try it. Remember that the one that God regarded as wise is the one that put it to practice. Practice doesn't mean that you've made it perfect yet. It just means you attempted. And practice is not just one time. Practice is usually something you keep doing. So I keep doing until I, perfect, I found perfection in it. Some people tried and grew weary, weak in the day that, that they should have been strong. God says, I can't bless them. And yes, they will point fingers. I've said it to you. You will be surprised. Don't regard anybody. Honor everybody. Listen to me, new gen leaders. Honor everybody. Honor everybody. Humble yourself. Regard people higher than self. But you see, when it comes to the word, know that you can take anyone's space. Anybody. There's no Pastor Obi. If Pastor Obi decides to put secondary God's word, anybody can take him. So I have to sit here saying, mm -mm, it's God's word first. There's no, such woman, there's no such woman that has a spot. You can take their position, other than marriage, obviously. But you can take their position. God will not be sentimentally moved to bless anybody. It's only the man that meets his conditions. It says that anyone that moves by their own judgment, please read that verse again for me, sir. Are like those lost on the seas. They are like those lost on the seas. Look at what it says. Go on. Carried away by any wave or picked up by any wind. Listen, they lack, then they become emotional. Someone says something to them, then they cry. They go back to their world. They have a place to return to. I always said that if you think I'm talking about you, I'm talking about you because I've never been told to talk to chairs. But look at what it then goes on to say. Go on. Those adrift on their own wisdom. Those adrift 
on their own wisdom. Please find me the Google definition of adrift. Someone just help me get it and show it to Pastor Glody. I want you to look at something. It's very, very simple. Go on. Have you got it? So as to float without being either moored or steered. Did you hear that? So as to float. This person, when you look at them, who leads them? No one leads them. Just life carries them. So they have that, you know, I've said, it's, you know, it's one thing to say that this person leads me. It's another thing for them to actually lead you. What I mean by that, you're not regulated by anyone. You just do what you want. The Bible says they are like those who adrift. The emphasis there is that you're floating. And it's like one not being stirred. Guess what that means to us, guys? Listen to me. You're not led by the Spirit, so you're not a son. Fate is what's carrying you. You're just hoping for things to change. Listen to what I said to you. PT said to us, Pastor Onye emphasized it, that the blood, yeah, the bloodline, the life of a man is in his blood. But in the Spirit, the blood of a man is instruction. I said to you the other day that the scripture, not Pastor Obi, said correction and instruction are the way to life. You're not floating, hoping to find a jackpot somewhere. It's going to be a very deliberate life you follow. You hear the word, you heed it, you obey it, and then you enter life. That's the process to life. Not because I've become a pastor or a a leader or there's one or two or whoever many people under me that I just do what I want. No, I must find instructions. I was saying it to some of the people. I understand my position as leader of COD. It's even more easier for me to not have someone that corrects me. So I force to find that in my life. I force to find people that I regard myself inferior to. And I heed correction and i was saying it laughing with the brothers yesterday saying to them that sometimes correction does not mean you know you can get corrected even when you feel like you're not meant to so don't think that don't happen you get corrected and in your heart have you ever been there that everything in you is burning like you just want to say no like i'm not wrong and but you have to take it because correction and instruction are still the way to life And God, who has sovereign control over your life, will know the heart. So as to if you are being corrected ignorantly, for example, wrong, you have to remember that God still knew. So maybe there's something he's testing. They're like those who adrift. Go back to the scripture for me, sir. Those adrift on their own wisdom. They adrift on their own wisdom. They did not receive wisdom. You know, there's people that when they keep coming back and forth saying, are you sure? Or they, you tell them something and eventually I've realized as a leader, you have to get to a place where someone keeps coming back to you about something you've said to them. Do you understand? They come with an opposite thing. They're not ready to be led. Leading for them is sentimental. You have to be holding hands. You have to say what pleases them. 
Leadership is never meant to be that easy. Following, remember the requirements of following when Christ said, come, follow me and I will make you. They, the price they had to pay to really be made by him. He did not give regard to their family. He did not give regard to what emotionally drove them. Um, drove them sorry. The price you have to pay to be instructed. So I've heard people that will come and I'm thinking, I've told you this though. And eventually you say, do you know what you have to do? Agree with everything they're saying. You've told them, you know this thing can work. This thing can work. But because they don't have word and faith, that thing will collapse in their hands. And yes, there will always be blaming others. God will never judge you because of somebody else. I hope you will hear that. Like That's a teaching that has been taught to us from Genesis. Then they go back to certainty, saying, okay, I, I'm going to do this. And you know Pastor Obi's advice would be, like, I think you should, simply. Those adrift on their own wisdom, go on, shouldn't assume the Lord will rescue them. So that you don't think this is Pastor Obi being irrational. Because that's why I had to stop before we finish this sentence or this, um, um, this verse. The Bible says that God said that those who adrift on their own wisdom should not think what should they not think? Go on. They shouldn't assume. They the should not assume, sorry, go on. The Lord will rescue them. They should not assume that the Lord will rescue them. God will not be sentimental. God's not going to say that you chose your own way and then now you're in an issue. He said first rescue because it will lead you to some kind of destruction. It will lead you to a problem. And God says they should not assume that I will come. Why? Because check the nature of Old Testament. What was God's biggest grievance? You remember I told you earlier that God named himself jealous. Do you remember? God hated idol worship. Do you know why? He says that there's a God in Israel, yet you went to other idols to get counsel from. He says, was there not a God in Israel? Now, if you're not, if you're not a student ready to learn, you'll think that was just an Old Testament thing. No, that was a shadow of the life we live now. That there's a God that you can ask. He's there. But you go and consult your bank account before you think you can do something. You consult friends before you call me. And God says that I am jealous. I am jealous. And once you provoke him to jealousy, then his wrath burns. And guess what? Even that wrath is still love. The anger of him is his love. Carry on reading for me. Shouldn't assume the Lord will rescue them or bring them anything. The splinter of divided loyalty shatters your compass and leaves you dizzy and confused. Amazing. God needs to help us. So this is now why it leads me to the, I've said to you that the first part of what I'm saying to you is dependence. And I told you dependency is a character of a son. Remember that the son is a mature office, a, a mature position. The son says that I can do nothing by myself. I can only do what I see the father doing. So I realized that if I'm going for a house, for example, and we have to use practical situations, I cannot rely on my own wisdom. God says, I won't rescue you from there. The reason why he says, I can't rescue you is because the word is still given to you. Everything has been given to you. It's for you to dare to pick up that word and change your life. 
James chapter 4 is now my emphasis today. And the main point, so the nature of the son, they depend on the father. Don't forget, I was reading 2 Samuel chapter 5 today, looking at the life of David. David had been a king over a small region. And now I believe it's the people of Hebron or whoever came and made allegiance with him. He said, during the days of Saul, you were the one that led us in our military expeditions. And now the Lord has said, you will rule over us. You will be king. And what's so interesting is that the Bible says that David then took the fortress of Zion, named it the city of David. And when you look at that scripture, it starts to tell us immediately the warfares. The Philistines heard that he was king and rose and encamped and came against them. And David never allowed himself to say, I have been victorious in battle. Let me just go based on what I know. The Bible says, and David inquired of the Lord, saying, should I go and attack these people? Permission to fight was what he sought after. He did not say, because I am victorious in battle, that I naturally should fight. It's not because I made so and so money that naturally I spend it on myself. There's permission, understanding that all things belong to God. And so it is. He went, inquired of the Lord. He asked God, should I attack them? Will you deliver me? I delivered them into my hands. And God said, I will deliver them to your hands. The scripture I loved for the second time, they came again. He didn't say, okay, I beat them before. Let me just go and beat them. And, or he didn't say, God said I should fight them. So now that they've come back, let me fight them again. He says, should I attack? And God says, don't go straight ahead. Go round. Go round the trees and wait there. And this is what I love. This is what I loved, guys. This is what I love. So that you can be aware of the spirit. Because I made a comment earlier and I didn't actually finish it. I said that you will see the wicked succeed for a while. But guess what God will do? God will definitely raise people who have been faithful. I want you to listen to what I have to say to you. Because there's some people that they look like they have finances, but they, they were ill-gotten. And God will reward them for what they have done. But do you know what God will do? There will be Davids. There will be people who just honoured God. There will be Abrahams who said that I will not allow it to be said that you made me rich. It will not be the person that is in enmity with God. It will not be the system that is in enmity with God that will make me. No, it will be the father that will bless me. David said, would I inquire? Should I fight them? And God said, no, do it this way. And he says, now wait. When you hear the sound of chariots at the top of the trees, then you will go. Why you will go then is because that means that the, that the Lord God of the heavenly armies has gone ahead of you to give you victory. People go ahead of God and think, why did I fail? Because the life and the way the world is set up is because it's meant to deceive you. That's why you will hear that this is going to bring this reward. This will bring this. If we do this, but you should have asked God. You should have been patient enough to ask him and hear. But people rush because life is at a fast pace and you feel that you need to be running at the pace of the world in order to have a chance of winning. But let me tell you something about godly people. While chariots are running, they're still on their knees. Do you remember Elijah? 
the story of when he told that rain is coming and the men of chariots started running ahead of him. And when he sat until it was time for the spirit to come upon him. And when the spirit came upon him, he outran even the chariots. Let me say this clearly to you. From sitting here, we will find ourselves ahead of our generation. From sitting, hearing the word, speaking the word, we will find ourselves ahead. James 4, read from verse 1 for me, sir. Let's round up with this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Now, this is what God now says to us. This is the main scripture. What causes fights? Are you listening to me? What causes quarrels among you? COD, are you still on with me? I'll wait to see if people are on with me and I'll proceed. These words are important. And in fact, no, I won't wait because whoever has to hear it, God knows who it is. Go and read it for me. Go on. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? James started to teach us how to live. Even though he knew that there were desires in mankind. And don't lie to yourself and don't attempt to suppress what is truth. You can say, I don't want this, but your heart says, I want it. Don't deceive me. I always said, said it to you guys, that the pain of anybody is to be dishonest with themselves. Yeah. That's the pain. Do you know why? The person that was honest will be blessed. They may have looked foolish at the time, but they will go on to be blessed and you will realize it was your dishonesty that made you stay behind. And do you know what happens? I think in every generation, there will be people who fell out of church and become those who oppress the church. They'll say that giving stuff don't work. But it works for a sincere heart. Imagine saying that I'm intimate with Pastor Ashley as my wife. And I can't tell her everything. That's not real intimacy. Real transparency between you two. So what I'm trying to say is that people lie to God thinking that they're lying to God is going to make God bless them. God wants to, if there's an issue in your heart, you say it. He's not going to look at you and say, Sir, um, Father, I'm struggling in this and judge you. In fact, that's what he wants to do. I said to someone yesterday, look, what God actually finds proud, proud yeah, or what he defines as pride is him knowing that it is human for you to fall. And instead of you to come up to him and own up to him saying, look, I messed up. You hold it because you want to still seem good. That's pride. And you're going to see in scripture that the Bible says that God opposes the proud. But blesses or lifts the humble. Let's read this. If not, I can keep going. Go on. You desire but do not have. So you, you desire kill. but you do not have. You desire but you do not have. Is it wrong to desire? I don't think so. I think it's in the nature of human beings. I think it's been embedded in us. The issue is, like I said at the beginning, that when man sinned, they began to do things at loggerhead with God. What am I meant to desire of all things? You know, we've said that the desire of all nations will come. And we know that that's the finance and that's wealth and all of these things. But if you look in some translations also, the desire of all nations is actually Christ. People just don't know how to name what he completes you with. Someone may be looking for happiness, 
that is Christ. But because they don't know the way to him, they can call it something else and in turn end up not getting it. Christ is our completion. Why do I say this? The Bible says, for you have died and your life is hidden in Christ. Look at what, so you know when we, I was listening to the song actually saying, um, my everything, my thing is that, look, when I sing that, that can't be the putting together of words. That has to be truth. If not, it can never be worship. It can never, that's why someone who made a worship song, a singer can sing and it won't move anyone. If it's worship, meaning that you have to ask yourself, okay, when I'm singing that song, my everything, how have I made you my everything? Check my day-to-day if that's true. God's not, God's not sentimentally moved. It doesn't matter how beautifully you sing it. I had to go back and check the things I do. Does God even honor it? Because he will only honor those who honor him. He's not your everything. Carry on reading. Go on. You desire but do not have, so you kill. You desire and you do not have, so you kill. We would say, I've never murdered someone. Remember that Christ said, when you spoke against your neighbor, you've already murdered. You desire and you do not have, and then you get left in a life of speaking against people. I've always said that people would deny the words that are being said. I taught people that you see the thing about mental. Do you remember when I taught about my mental? I said, you're not privy to choose your mental. God didn't give you that right. So it's easy. Check everyone that says, you know what, I'm not going to listen from this person. But oh, I still have this person. It never works. Never. But carry on reading. Go on. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. Why? Go on, keep reading. So you quarrel and fight. Yeah. You do not have because you do not ask God. This is the main issue. You do not have because you do not ask God. God is not who you regard. You can quickly go and begin to speak to everybody, but God's not on your mind because the person that means most to you, you will never omit from your conversations. You will never miss them from your conversations, the person that you love the most. This is why, listen to me, if you are frustrated, listen to these words I'm saying to you this morning. If you're frustrated, if you've been believing God for things and it hasn't come, look at the things that scripture is showing us. It will tell you why. Because God does not judge by outward appearance. How does God judge? By your heart. Tony can say anything with her mouth, do anything with her, with her body. But God looks at the heart to reward. So I had to ask myself, God Help me to have a sincere heart. Help me. But carry on reading. Go on. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Yeah. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Did you hear that, guys? He says that even now, if you ask, you do not get. Why? Read it once again. Because you ask with wrong motives. Because you ask with wrong motives. Again, a heart issue. What do you really want a house for? God says. Why do you really want the power of God? God says. Why do you really want children? God says. 
all of these things because it's a hot matter. But I need to emphasize these points because these words are meant to challenge us. Imagine when I'm reading these things and God is saying, I am not moved to give you a house. Not at all. I'm not obligated. And I'm challenged by it because I'm leading people. So my life and my motives, it, they will show in front of people. I can't hide it. So I'm challenged when I'm hearing this. So don't feel like I'm in you. Every word I speak to you are words that God spoke to me. And is speaking to me. But he says to us, what does he say? He says that, look, you ask, but you do not get because your motives are wrong. Your motives are wrong. You know, so we realize that what God is looking for, he, he, he says to us like, asking therefore matters. Asking matters. Um, faith matters. But you see the motive it matters more. It matters more. People look at what others have and that's why they ask. That's them coveting. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you? Read it. You ask but you do not have because... Because you ask with wrong motives. Yeah. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So now God said to me this morning, and I want you to hear this because this is where I tie everything up. God said that asking is important as a son and all of these things. But I need you to know why. And when there's a delay in a life of the things you've asked God, it's because God is asking you, why do you want it? You have to find out why. Look at this. The Bible says you ask, but do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you can spend it on your own pleasures. How does it say it? That you may spend what you get on your... So that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. So what God said to me is that you asked me for things which I'm more than capable of giving you. But the root of it is selfish. It says so that you can spend what you get on your own pleasures. That's what God can see in your heart. A relationship that you want to work is because it's a selfish matter. And God is not selfish. Therefore, everything that comes out of him cannot be. So God actually says to us, you see, if the house you are looking for is because of selfish matters, meaning we just need to be comfortable. You know, God actually says, if where you are now, you in your heart cannot be content, that's where I need you to be. I cannot give you more. Because it means that whatever you're asking for is to spend on you. Do you know why? Everything that God gives you is meant to be sacrificial in nature. It's meant to be a love item. This is where I'm going with everything from increased finances to children. Think about it, guys. People go and have children. The normal person has children, yeah? And it's for their personal gain. It's a selfish desire. The women that God has held their womb because out of their womb should come a prophet. Their child must be given. I look at people and I was like, if you dared to hear word 
you'll realize that it's God working on your behalf. He doesn't want there to be mediocre people coming out of you. He doesn't want you to make finances that looks like everybody else's. He wants it. And I began to pray that, God, when people see me, they will know that you are with me. That's the prayer I've been praying. I want it to be that the world will look at me and just know, you see, even if I don't believe in Christ, this guy has something divine about him. And that can only be birthed from a real relationship. God says, you do not receive. what, And do you know what? Everything you want to get, yeah, you can get if it can just be a selfless act, if it can be a love thing. Relationship can be set up well if it can be a selfless thing. I remember, and the brothers, the days of the radical soldiers, they will remember this. When I, I was looking for a car, struggling for a car, I needed a car. And the moment I said, God, the car I get will be used for our ministry endeavors. I got a car even though credit should have denied me. Uh, and that sounds so stupid, but I'm looking at all the efforts I made to get it and it just didn't work. To the detail of someone coming to me and saying, I'm going to give you a car. Everything. But the moment I realized that I will only have that if it can be used selflessly. God will only give you the business that is billion pound worth if he knows that it will be selfless. I looked at things. You know, I actually screenshotted something. Um, I think it's Shaquille O'Neal. He said that his money quadrupled, yeah? Because he heard that Jeff Bezos, yeah? said that he only gets into business that he believes will change lives. Imagine the guy prospered because he thought of people. Imagine scripture shows us that that's the nature of a spirit because David said that he now knew that God raised him for the sake of the people. Imagine so it, it becomes a thing whereby the misconstrued idea of God has made Christians the most selfish of all kinds of people. But that can change with you and I. See, all these spe God speaks to us in this manner because like I've been saying to you, we are the future of tomorrow. I don't care how it looks. You may think you don't have clothes, you don't have resources, you don't have cars, you don't have houses, you don't have anyone that regards you of anything. It's your destiny. It's what you've been made to do. You've been wired that way. So God says to us that the reason why you don't have is because everything you're asking for, if it's a music deal, it could be because it's a selfish. At the root of it, it's selfish. But when in your heart you have listened, and look, you can't determine outside of the word to do this, meaning that you can't just say, okay, I'm just going to be selfless now. No, it's the constant meditation of the word that renews your mind. Carry on reading. Let's finish this now. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world, don't you know that friendship with the world... This is the last point, so I want you to hear this. Go on. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. That's the whole reason why God don't give you stuff. You know, every selfish act, everything you ask God for, yeah, that he's refusing to give you, is going to make you more tired with the world. 
And God says, the more tied you become with them, the more of an enemy you are to me. So Christians, would they go to heaven? As much as we think, no, 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 no. Anyone that calls on his name shall be saved. That's what scripture says. But would they be blessed? Most of them, no. Because God has to save them from losing the relationship he has with them by not giving them anything. Abraham, what would be the most valuable asset he has in his house? His gold, his silver, his maidservants? No, his son. The moment when he gave God that, which was the most valuable. So we've always said, oh, give me your only son. Well, God actually said, what cost you? What is most valuable? What sits higher than your wealth? What sits higher than cattle? What sits higher than all the servants serving you? Is actually your son. If you can give me what's most precious to you, then I know you fear me and I can give you the nations. So God says to us that, until we understand what we're doing, until we mature, the things we are asking God for, he cannot give it to us because it will mean that we're becoming more enemies of him. Have you seen someone who has acquired something without first acquiring the Lord in their heart? Then that car will mean everything. Then that child will mean anything. Then that partner will mean anything. And God says, the more you are there, don't you know that friendship with the world? Remember what friendship is, agreement. Agreement, if there's agreement with the world, don't you know that's enmity before God? So God calls us today to maybe for a moment of your day or for the rest of the, uh, the days ahead of us, to think deeply about the things in your heart that you don't utter with your mouth. Because God's not an irresponsible father, and I feel that he tells me to say this to you. He's not irresponsible. God wants to bless you not only with your wants, but also your needs, or not only your needs, but also your wants. Meaning that, can you desire? Yes. But he just needs it to be that. Can you find a selfless act or a selfless reason for it? So I realized that God says, if the new house is in your heart, a house, and for you to say that we now live in a better place than where we are, I can't give it to you. But the moment you realize that that place will be your sacrifice. So this was my prayer. I don't know if Pastor Ashley would have heard me. I started to pray that I pay a sacrifice of wherever we go. And I understand what that means. It must be his tent. It must be his tent. And my contentment must therefore only be in him, not in what we've acquired. Are you hearing me, COD? I'll stop there now. What are the points that I need you to think of? Dependence. A real son totally depends. He can do nothing except what he sees the father doing. There's nothing you need to worry about, COD. Nothing at all. God has said that there's abundance. The increase is coming. Remember the word yesterday. He says, therefore, enlarge your tents. 
enlarge your places because children are coming. That's what he said to us. And the Bible says that we should let us, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, knowing that he greatly rewards these people. He's, he greatly rewards those who believe he exists and who diligently seeks him. So yeah, ask God as a son. You want to get into a business, you want to get into work, you want to do something, trust God. And I'm not saying that he will always respond immediately. In fact, there's a scripture, I need to remember this scripture. Um, um, Genesis 12. Genesis 12, I think that's the scripture. Um, maybe the voice. I might have to I might have to look a few translations. I hope that those of you that are listening through the broadcast that you really did hear the words I've said. There's no other way to God except his word. Christ came and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So I can't look for a way to God outside of the word. So if we are not disciplined enough if we don't earnestly seek god enough to say that i don't care if it's word all the time but i will give heed to the word there's no other way to god so you can't say okay no no i'm busy doing this but god understands no he's the same one that gave the word so why would he tell you be busy when he's given the word go on read it for me i hope this is the translation i didn't have it in my notes but go on one day the eternal one called out to Abram. Yeah. Abram, get up and go. Leave your country. Leave your relatives and your father's home and travel to the land I will show you. I will show you. Remember when I was speaking to you about I will show you. God said that he will show us what to do. Yeah. But I believe this is the translation I'm looking for. Go on. What does he say next? Don't worry. I will guide you there. That's what he means. When he says I will show you, he says, don't worry, I will guide you there. Why did I show you this scripture? You can then try to put this to practice. God, what's happening with me? What is it that you want me to do? Where are finances? You, whatever your situation is. And I don't want you to get discouraged if it seems that you do not hear straight away. Because God's way of showing is that he guides you there. The moment he, you ask, God actually sends his angels to hold you by hand, locating you, directing you to where you need to go. He will direct the right person to you or you to the right person. He will bring the resources when he knows that you have asked him. And let me tell you something. Who do you know needs a guide? Blind people. So I don't need to have necessarily seen where I'm going or know where I'm going. All I need to know is, is my relationship intact? Am I a son? Do I depend on him? And if so, the Bible lets us know that he says, don't worry. I will guide you there. This is God's promise to us. And on that note, I'll end today. I do hope you've heard everything, but I hope you also more so put it to practice. And I know that we will grow to be strong. I read again that scripture that said that even the smallest of us will be like David. And David will be God-like. So there's God pouring out his glory over this house. But it's you. Are you ready to receive that? And that's just you having a heart that yields. 
I'll stop there. I love you all. Enjoy your day. I'll let you know if I'm on again tomorrow or whenever. Or the team will let you know. It may be sporadic, but hey, whoever can make it can make it. I love you all.